Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, so, hey, Celine, I hate to open the show on a downer, but I think you, like me, were probably pretty shocked to read at the passing of commentator Paul Sherwin this past weekend. Yep. Did you know him at all? I did not know him one bit. Never spoke to him, didn't know him, but like everybody, I think, whoever listened to him, I felt like I knew him. Yeah, you know, that's something I've gained a, a new appreciation for. I bump into friends who are listeners of ours here at the Pace Line. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I bumped into a buddy at Interbike and he's like, man, I feel like I've been in touch with you all along. Like we haven't missed a beat. And I know it's just because I'm hearing you. And, you know, even though we haven't been on the phone or anything, I feel like I haven't missed a beat with you. So, yeah, I I have an appreciation now for how people feel like they must really have known Paul. Um, I met him in Philadelphia at the Core States oh, wow. race that used to be the U.S. Pro Men's yep. Championship. Been there this many times. Been, this would have been 96 or 97 when I met him. Uh and, you know, people are generally aware that he was a pro back in the 1980s, uh, you know, when everything and everyone in cycling and the rest of the English speaking cycling fandom world, you know, knows him as a TV commentator. But there was another big piece of his career, you know, where he did serious time in the trenches as mm. a media liaison. Uh, and as a PR person, yep. he worked for both teams and races. He had a long stint there for Motorola. Um, I I didn't spend much time with Paul. You know, I was only ever in a room with him on a handful of occasions. But there was one occasion where during the tour of California about five years ago, I was attending a small charity breakfast along with him and Phil Liggett. They knew nothing of this charity before getting there. During the presentation and the conversation as we ate, they listened intently to the presentation. And Sherwin and Liggett both asked plenty of questions afterward that showed it was evident, you know, that the organization had gotten their attention. Hmm. Um, we get to the end of the breakfast and the executive director asks them if they'd be willing to record a promo spot for them. And they said they'd be happy to. The thing is, they gave she gave them a couple of bullet points to work from. They turned, spoke to each other for a brief moment, and then recorded the promo in a single take. Hmm. Not only that, 
when you you watched them as they spoke, it looked perfectly sincere and they appeared to be experts well-versed in the history and mission of the organization. I was blown away, you know, and after that, they went right back to finishing each other's sentences like an old married couple. Yeah. Those guys were so tight and, you know, not to end this on a, a note of even greater tragedy, but I really, really feel for Phil Liggett right now. Yeah, I, I I really really do too, and I keep thinking that um, that that as much as the the stun and the the shock and the grief has probably hit him already, it I keep feeling like when he is sitting next to someone else or an empty chair or not sitting there at all, frankly, is you know is when the gravity and the reality is really gonna going to hit him. Yeah, yeah. Um. Their their heart, you know, their lives were pretty intertwined. Uh, they had some business ventures uh, aside from just, you know, being cycling commentators and whatnot. Uh, and Paul did a lot of charity work in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were there, there was more to their lives together than simply, you know, sitting down in a commentating booth. Right, right. That was that was evident. Yeah, it's, yeah. It it and it's you know it's, it was it was really in like I like so many people took to Twitter you know and that's where we all find out about this stuff so often that's, that's <laughs> how I found out about it. Um, but just you know, I mean, we know him in our in our in our niche of lives as as cyclists and whatever. But just the magnitude of outpouring was something else. Like it was just one of those people that just um, radiated warmth. You know, and yeah. it, it, it just, yeah. you just, for whatever reason, just took to him. Like, and, you know, and even just looking at the pictures of him, he just looked like, he looked like everybody described him compassionate and warm and all those things. Um, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, um, uh, there, there have been some, some people who have piped up. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, accusing is isn't isn't the right word but saying you know well, let's not overlook his his role and sort of the you know the the doping and pushing the doping under the rug and and all that and i was just like hmm you know and 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 mining relations in uganda and it's so interesting watching him with now george bush you know and all these funerals and how yep. um you know it just brings up this interesting thing like everyone's like well if it's not time to talk about their downsides now when is it and i i get that but i'm also you know I, not a single one of us is perfect and i th- i just feel like it's fine to uh maybe hit the high notes when somebody when somebody mostly good is gone you know i don't know you know what i mean no, like I, I- Totally. I saw you getting uh, into something on the Facebooks with somebody over the over Bush too over that, and I was just like, "Can we all just find the the heart and stuff for a bit, and not just I don't know, you know where I'm going with it? It's just somebody. So one of my coworkers said it brilliantly. She's like, "We should all treat each other in life like we treat people who are dead." And I was like, "Wow, yeah, we should, shouldn't we?" But yeah. It's it's a difficult thing. I really dislike going after somebody the moment their heart stops. <laughs> I think that's pretty heartless. And, you know, when I think about the kinds of compassion other people have shown me over the years, 
and I think about, you know, what is it can I, I can do in my life to show others compassion? Well, one of the first easiest places is to show them some respect and allow them some grace in their passing from this world. That, that's a very good, yeah, that's a low bar, I think. And I think that that is one that maybe we can all try to, uh, to reach. I, I think yeah. I'm with you yeah. on that one. We, we all lead complicated lives. Everybody. None of us are angels. Everybody. It's so, so easy to tear people down. And it's so easy. Yeah. And, but it's, no, nobody could uh, hold up under the scrutiny that everybody gives. Nobody could. I mean, it's just, that's just the reality of it. We have all done bad things. We've all made bad judgments. We've, we, everybody, everybody has. And when you do yep. it publicly, then it's public, you know? And so, yeah, I'm not saying you have to be a Pollyanna, but I do think that it is okay to have like an outpouring of uh, humanity. Yeah, I just, you know, a timeout. I'm, I'm sure that six months from now, there will be some pretty frank appraisals of George H.W. Bush's presidency. And, it, you know, that's understandable, you know, and historic retrospective of who he was as a president. Yeah, warranted. But to do it before the man is in the ground. Come on. So, yeah, uh, you know, the complications of cycling, the moral problem that doping is, that wasn't a problem of Sherwin's making. And he, like so many others, was caught up in something way beyond his ability to control. And, you know, because he worked for big broadcasters, didn't really have the latitude to say whatever might have been on his mind. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep that job, you've got to be reasonably discreet. And so I don't, I don't envy him what that job was in terms of having to be rah, 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 pro cycling right, is great right. fun. And at the same time, because he was so close to the sport, he had such intimate knowledge of what the accusations were. Forget forget what the reality was, but at least what the charges were, what the scandals were. He knew all those backward and forward. And it's a difficult thing to maintain your composure in the face of that. You know, think back on the 98 tour. <laughs> what a mess that was. <laughs> so... You know, it's a shame. Uh, his was a terrific voice. Uh, he had a terrific rapport with pro riders, and we've really lost something in in his departure. I agree. I agree. And tailwinds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brighter notes. What What do you have this week? <laughs> let's talk about somebody who is still with us. Um, yeah, and, let's and just still with us. This kind of dovetails interestingly because uh, well, we don't know much about Paul's death, but it was heart failure. Is that what they're looking? What What I last heard. Um, my poll is actually on heart. It's on uh, taking care of the one that you have. Um, it. it 
It, it struck me. So I'll, I'll just backtrack. So I saw a post on Instagram. It was Mark Weir's Instagram. He's a yep. former professional mountain bike racer. He's now an ambassador for Cannondale, Bosch, WTB. Uh, the Instagram post in question, he was not wearing a helmet or on a bike. He was in a hospital room in a hospital gown, uh, wires coming out of him. And he was, though classically, sort of mugging for the camera with his with his boy, who I think is nine or ten. Uh, he had just undergone balloon angioplasty and had a stent put in to uh, one of his coronary arteries. Uh, it had been 1% blockage away from giving uh, Mark a widowmaker, which is... Yeah. The most lethal type of heart attack you can have. Uh, if you don't have prompt care for that, you're done. I mean, it's it's that simple. And Mark spends a lot of time in the high Sierras without... <laughs> you mean the middle of nowhere? Yeah, with no cell service. I mean, very seriously, um, he would have been... Somebody would have found him there. I mean, that, that would oh, have... A sat phone wouldn't have saved him. No. 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 Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, nor with a helicopter ride. You know, nothing yeah. truly at that point, because um, you don't have a whole lot of time. And it would have nope. been, frankly, just too much time, even if you could get somebody on the phone. Um, anyway, so yeah. so for a little background for people who are less familiar with Mark Weir, I mean, he, he's a badass. I mean, he's a well-known. He is, he, is tough, <laughs> he is tough guy on his business card. He has won the notoriously fast and furious Downey Hill, Downeyville Downhill eight times. Uh, he once climbed more than one million vertical feet in a year. And I knew that, but I forgot that it was on a downhill bike. He did that on his freaking Santa Cruz VP. I, yeah, one I, I, million. What does that leave him look like? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Going up and down the sea? Like, what? I, I, I'd have to do the yeah. math of how many Everstings that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable to do it at all in a year, but to do it on a bike that is the least efficient pedaling platform known to mankind. <laughs> and probably weighs you know, 37 pounds. I mean, let's be clear. What, what sort of exponent do we add to badass to further qualify? I don't. That? I don't even know. Um, is that a three or a nine? <laughs> or you know, it is exponential for sure. Uh, he still rides. You know, he's. That's the funny part is after he retired, he started riding even more. So because he didn't have to take. You know what I mean? Because he didn't have to taper or worry about being fresh. So he was riding about twenty hours a week. Um, you know, still. So. Sometime, this is crazy. So I talked to him sometime last September. He started getting these symptoms. Um, he described it as yep. weird chest pain in the center of his chest that would radiate to his shoulders, behind his shoulder blades, to the top of the creases in his elbows when he started to ride. And it would get worse once he started going into the hills. So you might recognize that as classic angina like a heart attack ready to happen um what do you think he did he pushed harder he just kept you know he's like oh this hurts maybe it's because i've been chopping wood maybe it's because blah 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 so <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that part cracked me up <laughs> i've been chopping wood maybe that's why it hurts <laughs> so he just pushed harder until the pain of riding that hard superseded the pain that he was feeling <laughs> And it's, it's the best thing of all. It's like, well, maybe if my legs hurt more, I'll take my mind off of my crushing chest pain. Um, he did that for six freaking weeks. Six. Including a five or six day mountain bike trip across part of Nevada, 
where he was with like Yuri and some other people and he said he suffered he didn't tell them he was suffering in silence while they were chatting away because they weren't they actually weren't racing they were exploring um, yeah you know, he's like, he suffered it the whole time. He had that chest pain, but then they'd finish and they crack some beers and it would be gone. So he'd be like, oh, I'm okay now. And, you know, sit around the fireplace and just like it would go over the next day. So finally, um, it was a, he was back home and he had taken some time off because he got like this volcanic saddle sore. He told, like, I don't, we don't need to go into that. But he took, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He took some time off and when he got back on his bike uh, to go out for a ride, he's like, all right, if it comes back, you know, I'll, I'll do something. And he barely made it down his street and it came back and it was worse. And he was just, he's like, you know, he said, I can't remember his exact words, but it was really moving. He, he said he realized something was very wrong and it wasn't just him not being here. It was the emptiness he would leave behind with his family. And I was like, that's moving. And he, you know, and he's like, I've got to get this. He called his wife, called her immediately and he said, I've got to get this checked. Um, and they took him, he went to the, uh, whatever the urgent care center is by him, I don't remember the name, but they immediately threw him in the ambulance and sent him to San Francisco, where they bypassed the stress test, they bypassed all of that and put him right into the cath lab, because they recognized, they're like, you're close to something bad. And he was 1% close, so it was 99% blocked in his uh, left, um, the LAD arteries, yeah. it's the main pipeline to your heart. So when that one shuts down, it's lights out. Now, because yep. he had been so active, he had a lot of um, collateral artery or collateral vessels that had built up. And that probably helped him for a while, though, like it's absolutely, as you can see, no guarantee against like a massive heart attack. So anyway, um, it's not a substitute for. No, that's no, the thing. Absolutely the, the, not. You have to have a functioning LAD. Yes. You know? There's, yeah. there's, there is no substitute, but yeah, he would have been in worse shape had he yes. not been in such good shape. Yeah. Right. That's a good way of putting it. Um, the, the other thing that just slayed me when I was talking to him, um, cause I've known him for 10 years longer and I didn't know this. He's got a really deep family history of heart disease. His father who, who is 73 has a stent, but his grandfather had his first of three heart attacks when he was 36. So, good grief. The river of denial runs so, so deep, right? So, but you know, Weir had perfect blood pressure. He had his, his cholesterol numbers, he sent them to me, were exemplary. I mean, they were, they were unbelievably good. Triglycerides, unbelievably good. So, he really, he did. He thought he, that because he exercised so much, he could eat like anything he wanted. Because he, he's like, I just thought I just fried anything I put into my body. He's like, that's not true. Um, and that he could dodge his genetics because he was so fit, which he also found out, like, mm, not so much. So um, he is still with us, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's still with us. It, it's funny, I talked to a cardiologist, uh, Larry Cresswell, who does uh, the Athlete's Heart blog, and he's an endurance athlete. He said, guys, ignore these symptoms all the time. He's like, he sees so many heart attacks and the men have had classic symptoms and they've ignored them until they have a heart attack. And when I talked to Weir, I, and I think he's right, he said he thinks that that's because like him, it feels like admitting some sort of weakness. Like yep. it's cool to say, oh, my knees are all jacked or my back is all hurt from whatever. Or, you know, you can talk about your orthopedic stuff till the cows come home. But like admitting to heart trouble, like brings about this weird kind of shame. Like you're not taking care of yourself or maybe you're frail. 
you know, and maybe you are getting up there, like all these things. And, you know, to his credit, like he's now, you know, he didn't just have this happen and shuffle away and be like, I'm okay. He wants to really like use his platform and to speak pretty loudly and be like, yo, don't be so much like it's not. In some ways, it is just is what it is. And your heart is like any other part of you. And it can hurt just like any other part of you or get injured just like any other part of you. Um, So, you know, so as I wanted to like sort of like wrap up my poll with a little PSA, because I think this is really, really important. Um, You know, when I talked to Dr. Cresswell, he was just like the stuff that people ignore that you should never ignore. And it sounds like common sense, but everybody, women included, women, women, women listen to because women have heart attacks too. Um, And it presents a little differently with women and that, and it can be trickier, but some of the stuff is still classic. If you have chest pain, like, and people don't know what that, like crushing, like center weakness, chest pain, or it's hard to breathe, pain that radiates, get it checked. Get it just, it's not good. Especially if it's, while you're doing something like riding your bike or exerting and then it goes away like Larry was like that's always just classic like if you can repeat it like if you every time you go up that hill you feel it that's your heart you know it's like go go get that checked it's going to get worse um abnormal beats and this is this is super important for people because I think there's a lot of people in, in um some of our circles who have who have caught trouble by by locating their heart trouble this way if you're riding with your heart rate monitor and all of a sudden for no reason it goes up to like 180 you know it just goes really high and you're not doing anything that's not good like you should get that checked too like that's that's a sign that something's not okay or if you're going through your files even he's like some people have found it by just going through the ride files and being like when was my heart rate at 220 you know like because they they yeah right because they weren't doing anything where the heart rate should have been at 220. Um, and obviously, if you have a strong family history, like you got to be super on top of that because it's really, that, that's just a huge project, especially heart disease. You know, it's worth working with your doctor and maybe going above and beyond testing. Like that's still, as much as they can do and as much as they can check, some of it is still a little elusive and hard, but there are other tests. There's like coronary artery calcium scans they can do that can show kind of stuff like we had. Um, and they can, you know, doctors can recommend other tests. Uh, the most important thing is just to know yourself, know these signs, and just pay attention to all of it. Just heed it. You know, it's, it's never worth ignoring because heart disease is definitely something that if you catch, there's a lot that can be done. So that's right. That's. That's where I, that's my pull this week. I, I I'm not sure if you have anything to add here. Um, not much. Yeah. I mean, I just it is really interesting to me that yeah we can shrug off. Uh, I I dislocated my shoulder on a ride um, Thanksgiving Day. You did went down and yeah yeah that hurts a lot. Uh, I've been more comfortable. Yeah yeah. And I mean, it was one of those things, my front wheel washed out, I low sided, you know, and hit the ground and the bar stopped and my upper body kept moving a little bit. Yep. And because the hand was still on the grip yep, uh, yep. and my arm didn't really move and my upper body did, boop, we can shrug these things off as like, oh yeah, you know, dislocated my shoulder on, on the ride earlier. Yeah. It's, it's a little sore now. It, it'll be fine. You know, you get a sling and do that for a couple of days. I should probably still be doing the sling, okay? (laughs) But there's no way to, like, shrug off, oh, yeah, I've got a 50% blockage of my coronary artery. There's there's no hip factor in that. Right, right. 
it is a very curious phenomenon. So I, I see what it is there. I don't know why things are the way they are. But yeah, there, there's, there's this fear of vulnerability uh, it's the same thing I think people experience with mental illness and depression. Yeah, Mark said that too. He said it's a lot like that. Brain health. You know, people don't talk about that the same way too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, admitting those things, yeah, not fun. And you you become worried about being perceived as damaged goods. Yeah. And that's, that's why a lot of people just shut up. So, yeah, little experience on one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right, right along. Yeah. Uh, it is really, I've known so many riders who've had AFib and, you know, it, yeah. it was something that uh, they probably learned about more quickly because of cycling. Um, totally. I've, you know, I've, I've known any number of guys who've wound up with pacemakers uh, to keep that under control. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. And, uh, yeah. and where is, is, is another check for the whole e-bike thing? He's like, thank God for my e-bike. Cause he's able to, he's rehabbing using his e-bike. Cause he's able to control the load that he puts on himself as opposed to getting out of his Santa Cruz's or well, whatever the Cannondale equivalent is now. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till some pinhead wants to go after him for not being man enough. Yeah. That'll go over well. <laughs> oh, I think he can yeah. still help throw a good right hook. I, you know, he, he, he's still as bad an ass as, as there is. I mean, yeah, nothing even changes so. that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so cool. glad he's still with us. Me too. Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's Celine. So I'm pretty psyched to tell you about our new sponsor, PowerDot. PowerDot is a smart muscle stimulator, which is essentially a device that passively stimulates your muscles to help with recovery. Anyone who has followed me for any length of time knows I do big, dumb things. That's kind of my game. I've done Ironman, eight-day mountain bike stage races, Dirty Kanza. You get the picture. So for me, recovery is everything. And there's a lot of stuff that promises to help with recovery, and I do it, and it probably works. But I would be hard-pressed to tell you that I feel any meaningful difference in the moment, or even right away. That's not the case with electrical muscle stimulation. Electrical stim basically fires up your muscles and causes them to pulse or contract in a rhythmic fashion, which flushes them out, brings in fresh oxygenated blood, carries out the waste. It's like a recovery ride, but from your couch, because you're not moving a muscle on your own. And it just works. So when my legs are trashed, I do electrical muscle stimulation, and honestly, the stairs in my house that seemed so steep a half hour before are much easier to climb. It works that quickly. So I'm a fan. So are many doctors, therapists, coaches I've consulted over the years. This practice has been around on the professional side for decades. The nice thing about PowerDot is that it's so small and easy to use. The whole unit is smaller than a saddlebag, so it's super portable. And you work it through your phone via Bluetooth and the PowerDot app. You just put on the pads, activate it with your phone, and the units start pulsing. The nice thing with PowerDot is that it also has pre-programmed sessions in the app. So you can just put it on and pick quads, hit the button, and let the machine work its magic. And now, thanks to the sponsorship, PowerDot is giving Paceline listeners 20% off their order. So just go to PowerDot.com, use the code PACELINE at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's PowerDot.com, use the code PACELINE to get 20% off your order today. So... Uh, speaking of badasses, 
I kind of want to talk about Matt Curbeau, the uh, winner of Unpaved. Mm-hmm. Last night on your Fit Chick account on Facebook, um, you posted a graphic. Mm-hmm. It was the course profile, um, but it was uh, it was from you know whatever training software he was using. So it was a course profile plus the jagged graph of his heart rate. Uh, and let's just get this out of the way. Matt's fine, okay? Matt won. <laughs> no, no problems with Matt's heart. No, no. Matt heart, all good. Yes. Matt's heart, badass. But the graphic had written notes on it. Uh, just short, kind of, you know, punchy little things. But it resonated with me for a few reasons. I've gotten uh, to the end of any number of events and been sort of foggy about just where certain things took place. So when he wrote, lost Chris somewhere in here, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I I know what he's talking about. Um, And similarly, I nearly had a raffle when he wrote, glorious view, I didn't stop for. And the didn't stop for was in all caps. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, it's like, I'm missing out on something, but I'm going to go win this bike race. Um, Back when I kept a training diary, before I could download all my training data to my computer, holy cow, Mm -hmm. I used to write reasonably copious notes about how my races went. What always amazed me was when those notes and my performance would reflect predictions I had previously previously made about how the race might go several days, days, weeks, or even in one occasion, several months, you know, uh, prior to the event actually unfolding. But the diary for me was a really important way to process the experience and try to learn something about how that race went ahead of the next race I was going to do. These days, you know, I write up most of the events that I do and what I'm writing about now is largely what went on inside my head. Or at least it's as much about what went on inside my head as about the course itself. It's not so much a debrief on how I fought my way to 36th place. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, perhaps because that's a lot less interesting than people. (laughs) Winning the race, a little more interesting, right? Uh, Kerbo's full, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to say his name. I'm hoping it's Kerbo because there's the, you know, spelled, it's the French C U R B E A U. And he's got the nickname Turbo Kerbo. Right. Which makes sense. Uh, That's, uh, I think you're, you're doing it right. Yeah. I, I'm hoping. Uh, we may get a strongly worded letter. He's uh, a really nice guy. <laughs> anyway. Hey, if I'm getting it wrong, you know, I'm, I'm okay with getting the note. Uh, I'd like to get it right. <laughs> But his full race report on his blog is pretty great as well and includes, if I might also observe, a few really nice nods to race director Dave Pryor, who we may have told listeners before happens to share an address with you Mm -hmm. and some parenthood duties and maybe one special day sometime in the past. (laughs) Yep, that is a fact. (laughs) Uh, But it got me to thinking about what I would Sharpie on a printout of a course profile Hmm. as a way to shorthand my day. Right. I just, I love like, you know, just in such simple and graphic form, the whole shape, you know, the whole arc of his day was right there. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. 
Um, and I can see me writing things like this hill felt much bigger than this <laughs> yeah. or the steepest damn climb of the day or too steep to have fun descending. <laughs> and in my case, at some point, it's going to so it's going to say where I blew apart. Yeah. <laughs> So my question to you is, what do you do for a self-debrief? And what do you see as being the value of having something that's really so cozily encapsulated? That's such an interesting question because I, I I really, really enjoyed that as well. I think a lot, I put it up and it got a lot of response. I think a lot of people, because for many reasons. I mean, one, we often don't think that the person who wins the race is going to be so whimsical, you know, and it was, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was really, it was delightful. I mean, the first thing he's got like, wee written all the way down. <laughs> and that first descent was no breaks, joyful, endless. I've never, I have not done a descent like that in an event ever. It felt like it was going <clears> forever. Um, so I can only imagine how fast those guys were taking that thing. Um, yeah, so it was it was really 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 cool. And and it it's interesting you say that because I'm I'm so in my own head and always have been so in my own head during events that I can barely recall anything that happened during the event. Like I get done and I don't it's hard for me to people, you know, people and people are all talking about stuff. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I, and I feel like maybe we haven't even done the same thing because everyone's like, oh, yeah, that lollipop where we had to go out and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh? You know, I, like I, I can like some of the, the bigger features I get. But I often like I'm I don't even know. Like I often tell people like I wish you could just see through my eyes one time because I don't know what I'm seeing in the world. I'm just uh, I'm writing a lot. You know what that is? I think I'm writing so much like I, I do remember because I write about it. But. It, it brings me to have a very different in real time experience with things um, mm -hmm. in a way that either stretches time or convinces time. Time takes on a very strange element. Um, and at the end of the day, when it's done, I'm always like in a very different head place than I was when it's, I, it's, it's hard. So when I sit down to debrief, like, Obviously, when I was racing, you know, more frequently and, and, and more seriously, there are things that I would take note of. And it was mostly nutritional, quite frankly, you know, because when things went sideways, <laughs> it would be because uh -huh. like, OK, maybe we should try this, this and this instead of this, this and this, you know, and eating at these increments and, you know, like that kind of stuff. But it never. Yeah, I don't I don't really recall. Like, like I really love that he sort of knew. Like he, because he was duking it out with a couple other guys, and he knew like the breaking points and the separation points, and you know when he had it and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, wow, I don't, you know, I, I don't think like I, I maybe I know in in the race time when those things occur. I'm, I, I'm sure I do, but when I go back in retrospect, hmm, yeah, I'd be hard pressed to tell you. I'd be hard pressed to tell you. I mean, when I I look back now at some of because I have written logs too before everything was online. And um, the one thing that I always did do was put little smiley faces or frowny faces because I'm such a mood tracker. So with my uh -huh. workouts, like I would just like all I would be trying to do is just dance around the volcano without falling into the volcano. And I would do that by tracking my, you know, as long as I'm sort of smiling. But if the smiles start to get like less so then I know that I'm ready to, you know, 
go into the volcano and that's not where the magic happens. So it's time to back, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to back off. Uh, but that, you know, that those were, it's funny how I look back and I'm like, wow, that's so funny. And, and I, and when I really look back at an Eagle's eye view and just see like how I made the same dumb mistakes over and over again, even though I didn't think I was like, if you go back and like take an Eagle's eye view, you can be like, Oh, you just did it again in just a different way, you know? But, um, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if, if I don't know how most people, uh, I mean, now I feel like I, I do a little less of that with Strava because I just use Strava as a training log almost. And I don't yep. I don't have as many of those notes. And I, I feel like I miss them a bit. I mean, I know there's ways to put notes in there. I'm just kind of lazy that way because it automatically uploads and I don't add the notes. So, yep. Uh, yep. yeah. Do you use something else? I'm No, I'm using Strava. Do and... you make notes in Strava? I don't generally tend to make notes. Yeah. Uh, the closest thing to making notes every now and then, if something was, uh, for want of a better, better term, uh, special. Right. If there's something really memorable, I might jot down some notes in there. But normally, if I need to, if I feel a need to write about it, it's because it was an event that I am writing about. Right. You know, I'm writing a post. And so all my energy goes into that. Yeah, same here. For for me, with my Strava files, I just, I name the rides. Uh, yep. I give them something just to kind of jog my memory of what that day was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, no, I, I do it so I can't even find the ride again. Like, I'll have, like, a little song in my head during the ride, and I'll, ma- I'll name the ride that. And then I'll be like, what did I name that ride that I want to remember that I did in May? <laughs> and I'll just be like... <laughs> so, yeah. It's cute at the time, but, Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how helpful it is to me because when I go back and look at Tuesday's ride and see, you know, the title was something about turtled. I (laughs) I fell and rolled right right right. onto my back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm hoping that that will actually jog my memory. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I needed the long bath afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but I am curious, like, how did you predict performance? Months in advance. Like, I, I would I'd just like you to talk about that a little bit. Um, it was as much goal setting as prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, know, based how you were feeling at one point, you were predicting outward that you would achieve this at, like, an A event? If, if I kind of, yeah, if I kind of keep on this, this curve, hmm. I will manage to do this. Um and uh, it happened a couple times. The the most notable, there was a road race uh, at the edge of the Sierra outside of Bakersfield, where at the very beginning of the season, I'd set the goal of I'm going to win that road race. And, you know, somewhere along the line, uh, a month or two in, I'd done something where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on track. I am going to win Iron Mountain. And then promptly forgot about that and went and did the race and flipping won, won the race mm-hmm. and get home and I'm writing all my notes down and just happened to flip to the front page of my diary where it listed my goals for the year and saw win Iron Mountain Road Race. And I was like, holy cow. Oh, that's funny. Wow. Uh, I'd completely forgotten about it. I was like, oh. But you didn't well, completely I, I forget guess. about it. I mean, you forgot about it in your in your conscious, but you didn't forget. Like, I, I very much believe that. Like, that there's a lot of working yeah. in the other parts of your brain that 
uh, the unconscious parts that we're, and, we're not forgetting about that. Yeah, we've demonstrated that I've got some deep recesses in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think sometimes you just know. Like, I knew I was going to win Ironman Kentucky, my, my division. When I, yeah. like, like, as soon as I signed up for it, and it sounds so crazy to say that, but I, I'll just, like, I just, in, I had a weird, fluttery feeling, and I'm like, I'm going to win this thing. And I had no That's business cool. feeling that way. I was not a long distance <laughs> anything. I mean, I had no business feeling that way. Um, but And yet. And yet. So anyway, <laughs> there you have it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I love that thing that Kerbo did. Um, I loved it, too. It was really cute. And I, I, I also just have a, a silly kind of technical question of, like, how did he write that stuff on that file the way he did? Because it looks like he wrote it directly on the screen. It doesn't look like he printed it out, wrote the sheet hmm. of paper, and well, then that's a good scanned it. Point, because if you did you look at the other one where he compares it to Dirty Kanza 200? I put yeah. a yeah. So that is similar. He he made little dots on his uh, training stress scores and all the well, like all that kind of stuff, and um, it was the exact same almost as Kansas. It might have been higher, um, but he, I think he. I don't know if he had, maybe has one of those, uh, you know, devices that you can actually sort of write on them. Yeah, because it looks yeah. like he did that. You're right. Yeah, it 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 adds to the charm and effect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me kind of want to just print out, you know, the profiles from big events and then just write all over it. it it's a. It seems to be like a really great way to. Yeah, I agree. And it, what, and just to, as a means to digest the experience, I think it would be really useful for a lot of people. You know what would be really cool um, to take it to the next level? I don't. Do you ever do Relive? Do you know that that app? There's an app mm. called Relive. That mm-hmm. you can sync to Strava. It's pretty cool. It's it's a little. I'll explain why it's a little funny sometimes. But what it does is after you're done with your your ride, um, it automatically takes your Strava uh, profile. And if you've taken any pictures, it takes those too. And it does this great like um, Google Map kind of bird's eye view of your ride. So it sort of flips the 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 thing over into a three dimensional topography and it traces your little like a little line goes and it shows your peak heart rate and maybe like it stops and shows a picture of somewhere and it just like for longer rides it's really really cool to watch like how this how where you went and all all that kind of stuff when you just go down for coffee it's kind of dumb like you get your hey relive your (laughs) ride it's like well it wasn't that epic but um but but it would be cool to to take a screenshot of that because then you could really like be like it would you could mm-hmm. just do this whole mm-hmm. whole picture of your whole experience for like a bigger thing and you know we got coffee here and threw up my coffee here and you know lost like whatever <laughs> but it would just be a yeah that I'm all, that that would be cool yeah wow yeah okay might be might be stealing some ideas here from from the champ uh, yeah yeah I. I I think I've got something to, to waste some more of my time. I definitely. And check out Relive. I think you'd like it. It's pretty, I will. It, yeah, it's cool. I will. Uh, I, I could see that being particularly handy with some of the mountain bike rides I do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's And it's you just know. entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Because so often, you know, I do a mountain bike ride and it's on this blob of green. It's right. like, well, what was that particular jag there? And so I think that would actually help me understand some of my rides better. There you have it. Yeah. Cool. Um, what do you say? Baseline picks? Sure. Um, 
going to change course here with mine, and I'm going to go with a pair of sunglasses. Uh, just because I yeah. can... Yeah, well, I know, and it's, you know, you don't think about December and sunglasses, but I think I'm really thinking about them, because it's kind of that time of year when uh, the light is weird. Like, I, I can go out, especially, it, we have a lot of sort of gray, many, many gradations of gray days, where you go out and the light is very flat, but yet it, it can be kind of oddly bright, and then if the sun breaks through, it can be super glary. Um, you know, and it's also that time of year when the temperatures are so diverse, so I'll go out and you, I'm climbing some hill and I'm sweating and very hot, and then you go down the hill and all of a sudden it's like 28 degrees in your face and it's very cold, and it, it, it's asking a lot for a pair of glasses, right, to, <laughs> yes. to help you see and to not fog up and to all the things, to not, they get precipitation on them and all this, and I, I have been swearing, it's probably been a year now that I've worn them almost every ride, um, my Bole shifters. Uh, they are. I, I, I'm. I'm a. I'm a pretty big fan of Bole for a while. They. I just like the shield, how they fit my face, the light. Uh-huh. Um, but these are great. They're. They're sort of. Oh, what's 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 the name? I'm losing it when they when they change. Uh, they're not photochromic. Yes, thank you. They have a. They have a little bit of that going on because I don't like when. Um, I don't like when it's already overcast and then I add a pall to it and it's almost a depressing, everything is very dark, you know what I mean? So it brightens things up a little bit better when it is, um, when it's, when it's gray. Uh, but they also, they're really, really good. They're just slightly ventilated around the temple and around the bottom. So they, they really don't fog unless you're in extreme conditions of like you've just done an interval and then you're just standing still in the freezing cold for a long time, right? Then nothing is going to do <laughs> Never that. Never done that. Right, exactly. <laughs> nothing is going to do that. But but they're pretty really, they're really pretty good about not fogging up. I mountain bike in them. I road ride in them. Um, they're available in prescription, which I, which I don't use. They stay put. So that's my, you know, for anyone who needs like a really good workhorse glass. And I don't think they're that expensive. I think they're like 150 bucks. That doesn't seem like, okay. you know, not off the charts for, for a really solid, they don't scratch well. I've dropped them. Like I drop everything in my garage 10 million times and they're not scratched up. I abuse. So if I say something works, it usually does because I abuse everything. Like uh, I, there used to be an editor at uh, Bicycling that didn't want to give me anything before it had to get <laughs> photos, but they had to take a picture of it because he's like, you wreck everything. <laughs> So, so I wreck everything, and if if I if I have these have not um, been destroyed after a year of pretty constant use, then I can give them a hearty recommendation. Okay, yeah. so that's that's two, if not three, thumbs up. <laughs> exactly. If I had three, I'd give it three. <laughs> okay, very cool. Well, my pick this week. Uh, is something that our listeners have already heard about. The last two episodes we've had mid-rolls running by a company called PowerDot, mm-hmm. which produces a little gizmo that does electronic muscle stimulation, uh, also known as EMS. I first experienced this technology, albeit in a very rudimentary form, way back in the summer of 1990. I was being treated with it as a way to strengthen my back following a car crash Hmm. in which I got walloped uh, with a pretty bad case of whiplash. My car was rear-ended by an international harvester scout that had completely lost its brakes at 40 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were knocked into next week. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so fast forward 30 years and the device that had to be rolled <laughs> from one room to another on a cart now fits into handy travel case the size of an overgrown wallet. And it talks to my smartphone via Bluetooth. In 1990, there were only two different adjustments so far as I recall stimulation intensity, mm-hmm. and then frequency of contraction. Mm-hmm. Paradot has several routines for each muscle group. There's explosive strength, there's muscular endurance, there's active recovery, and there's even massage. And I remember when I first saw that, I was like, what? what? Okay, I am doing that right this minute. Um, and it's really, it's been impressive. They sent me one to try for review, uh, and I... Yeah, I just couldn't be more impressed. So far, I've mostly used it for active recovery and massage, but I've tried some of the strength training programs. It's so recent that I can't report any gains in strength yet, Mm -hmm. but I can report some post-stimulation fatigue that does feel Hmm. like I've had a really vigorous workout. Okay. (laughs) That was a surprise. Like, wow, it does feel like I've worked out. Okay. Uh, you can buy the Power Dot. You can get one unit for one ninety nine or two for two ninety nine. The going with two is the way to go because not because you save a hundred dollars, but because you can work out you know the same muscle groups on both legs. Mm-hmm. You know your quads yep. or your hamstrings, whatever. <clears throat> you don't have to wait and alternate. They are still offering Paceline listeners a deal. I believe it's 20% off. Mm-hmm. And I'll include a link for that uh, offer in our show notes at Red Kite Prayer. I'm going to add here that I know right now someone is out there listening and is entirely suspicious that I was paid to say nice things about the product. I will say in my defense that I've been a believer in EMS for a long time, ever since that first experience. It worked. And I truly believe truly believe this is the best application of this technology I've seen. It's compact, you know, it's got incredible variety and it's super easy to use. And yes, they did not pay me to say this. I am a believer. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. Like it, it was great to have them come on as a sponsor because I could easily say stuff about something that I have used for many years and I'm a believer in too. Like I, that was actually no trouble. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a delight then, <laughs> to be able to yeah, yeah. And I, you know, this is a good time of year for them to be sponsoring us because if somebody's looking for uh, a really cool gift, yeah, it's a little pricey. You know, but that's as what makes a, it a, a good Christmas gift. gift goes, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is something that, yeah, if I had the extra cash sitting around and I was looking for the perfect gift for a cyclist I knew, I would totally do this. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, well, I think that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. Celine, how's the weight room? Speaking of... No, speaking of... It's funny, because as you were talking, I'm like, oh, I should put that on. <laughs> I should be using that a little bit more. Um, it is good. I'm definitely feeling it. Uh, I uh, It hurts It hurts to laugh. I have not been... I can tell I've not been doing my core Ooh. work. Uh, yeah, because I'm doing a lot of, like, real core work, like, play, you know, long planks and, and, and dynamic core work that I haven't done since uh, last November. So it actually does hurt to laugh in places, but that's good. That, that will go away. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying just, you know, getting back into 
the getting. I like that. I get up at five. I go at five thirty in the morning, and I don't love doing that at five ten in the morning. Like I'll be honest. Like then it's terrible. But once I'm there and I'm blood flowing and I'm back in the house at six thirty, I feel like you know, bionic. Like I'm already. That's good. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's uh, it's good. You, you're you're coming close to actually inspiring me. I'm trying here. <laughs> All right, well, week by week. What do you got yeah. going on? Uh, nothing much, you know. It's going to be a, a low key weekend. Uh, there's a trail day I'm doing on Saturday. There's a, a club I'm a member mm-hmm. of, and to be a member, you have to do trail days. That's legit because we have access to this this land uh, out in West County. So this will be my trail day for this year. I have no idea what we're working on, but <laughs> I'd say I'm so excited to get out there and work on making a new trail. Cool. That's good. That's good to do. Everyone should do that. Yeah. The the piece of being a part of a community and contributing to facilities, I guess is how we could put it, you know, making a new trail for, for our community. It feels good. And this is something that I'm, I, I've, I view it as something that indicates personal growth to me. Cause I know when I was a teenager, uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Teenager? When I was in my 20s, yeah. 30s, I'm like, ah, <laughs> come on. Yeah. It's only recently yeah. I'm like, oh, I should give back. The karma bus is coming. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it, I don't, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have been out there when I was 35. Yeah. You're right. So. You're right. <laughs> but now it feels really good to do. So I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, again, as we've mentioned previously, we're fielding requests for segments on the show. So if you've got an idea or a question, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. Uh, this week's show is part two of my interview with Carl Strong of Strong Frame, uh, Strong Frames and Pursuit Cycles. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes it easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.